0: hello hello and welcome back to the let's talk podcast with joelle that is me and today i'm joined by chelsea from the launch copy coach on instagram and facebook and we are talking all about social justice advocacy and faith this is a really close to our hearts and we want to break it down including the problem with the white savior mentality performative activism and allyship in churches and why bravery and courage is needed to examine and reconcile the church's history with racism, including whitewashing, the faith, and colonialist conditioning within it. So this is a deep topic, I know it's very meaty, so if you have any questions after this, do just email me at jyqphua at outlook.com and we can just get a conversation going. But without further ado, I'm not going to take any more of your time, just dive right into the episode and we shall see you on the other side. Today we're going to be talking all about faith and social justice advocacy as you can see and today we have Chelsea with us. So why don't you introduce yourself for anyone who doesn't know you.
1: Hi everybody, thank you so much Joel, for having me on. I am Chelsea. I am a Jamaican living and working in Jamaica but very much kind of in the space of the virtual world because this is where I work. Um I am the launch copy coach, and what that typically looks like is helping my clients with their launches and copy for their launches, so strategy, marketing, all that jazz. Um, And my clients are typically like coaches, consultants with their businesses online or trying to transition to online and um, working towards that kind of stuff. So I'm really interested in this conversation, though, and I wanted to have this conversation with Joelle because everything that has happened in the last two months <laughs> has had me rethinking and re-examining a lot um and I started out these two months I think responding a lot to what was happening and then in the last couple of weeks I've just been taking time to like integrate and reflect because I have if y'all know me I haven't been on social media much in the last couple of weeks but um i think conversations like this are so important in this time because we we can't think of these things by ourselves and we can't tackle these things by ourselves and so and my opinion might be different from Joel's opinion or it might be the same opinion so we can see where there's like consensus we can see where i probably need to go off and think about something or Joel probably needs to go off and think about something and pray about something and come back so it's like I'm I'm just, I'm glad for conversations like this. I'm really glad because we get to do that rumination and recreation of what we want the world to look like right now, hopefully in the image of Jesus, together.
0: <laughs> yes, that's really good. And I love everything that you just said. And yeah, I do think it's really, really important because... I don't know let's just let's just start with why do we think why do you think chelsea is this conversation important to have right now
1: i think it's important to have because the way that we learned about jesus is through white supremacy it's through imperialism it's through colonialism it's through slavery and so We we came upon our faith through through methods that are actually contrary to our faith and contrary to the teachings of Jesus and not just contrary, like indirect opposition to. Um, And so, and it hasn't been talked about. I think that's why, that's like what it comes down to for me is like, we have not acknowledged the history of our faith and therefore we have not been able to discuss okay what is it that we have accepted as doctrine that jesus didn't actually preach what are we teaching and what are we doing that jesus didn't actually say and that's actually at its heart and at its core in direct opposition to the principles and teachings of jesus and so i mean it's it's the process of like undoing it's the process of redemption It's the process of sanctification that we have to be like really honest and open about. And I think in, we've come far, but we haven't. There's still a lot left to go.
0: So first of all, you mentioned that we have been learning about Christianity from a white supremacist perspective. Right. So what do you think? How? Sorry, let me backtrack. Why do you think that happened? Why has that happened? And, you know, what has happened with Christianity?
1: um i mean i think it's just it's because we've been handed it by white people i think it just comes down to that like i mean it is uh, the colonizers that brought christianity to the west and um it is those who were in power who were white people who kind of propagated christianity across the world and now hear me i'm not like an expert in this i'm just going off of like my limited knowledge of history and i actually was thinking and i'm praying about this this morning i was like lord i probably need to like go look into the history of christianity you know like how did it actually spread (laughs) and um really kind of geographically map it too you know to see like okay so it started here we know it started with the jews and we know that they were under roman occupation at the time that is i know that for sure so we would assume that obviously some romans became christians and it got propagated that way throughout the roman empire and that was one of the biggest empires of the world at the time and even the word empire
0: is problematic I was, I was just about to say, like, the fact that it was only under the Roman rule and that Romans became, that, that Romans converted, it's kind of ironic because they were actually colonizers as well.
1: Exactly. The whole thing is like, and I mean, this is the mess of sin, right? And this is what I've come to, like, recognize and reckon with. This is the mess of sin, is that the very same people. <laughs> the oppressors are the very same people who end up believing in jesus and oftentimes they don't recognize that actually uh believing in jesus means oppression ends (laughs) like you're gonna have to give up this whole slavery occupation thing give the people back their land that didn't happen at all so um or at least i'm assuming it didn't happen because there, there were a lot of like issues with the roman empire and roman rule and all of that so yeah it's i mean this is the mess that of sin that we now have the privilege of walking out the redemption of that with the lord and i think it's such a. am just like church do you not see the opportunity you have here this is a massive opportunity to actually walk out the redemption of this with jesus because he died so that it would be redeemed, so that there would be restoration, you know? So, yeah, I'm, I'm talking a lot, but yeah.
0: <laughs> it's all true. It's all true. And kind of bringing it back to where we are today, then, you know, I remember us when we had this conversation initially, we had the conversation about how Christianity has been weaponized. And we really have work to do to reconcile the actual history and the complicity of the church and Christianity with a lot of oppression, such as slavery, in order to truly, you know, uproot, uproot those values, those foundational core values, which are unfortunately, you know, like, like you said, in direct opposition, in direct opposition with our faith, right? Um so I had a question that came in actually, and it was about what about when Christianity has been used against social media. So, <laughs> what about when Christianity has been used against social justice movements? For example, I don't know, like people getting Trump to like sign their Bibles or like stuff like that. Um, I suppose that's something about weaponization of the gospel, right? So, what do you, what do you think about that?
1: It's, it's kind of hard because it's not like you can control other people's response right and it's not like you can control other people's relationship with Jesus um what you can do is speak out and call it out and I think we're in a time where we have to grapple with those things for ourselves and then call it out in other people um because and not in like a, not in like a Pharisee kind of way. And I can say that, and maybe some people will understand, maybe some people won't, but not in a very like legalistic, critical kind of way, but kind of like what Joel and I are doing right now, kind of in a, let's talk about this. Like, what do you actually think about this? Where do you see scriptural reference for this? And how does this work? Because the things that are being perpetuated right now in the name of Christianity, if you actually read the Bible, are not legit they're just not and i think that it's it's very true that nowadays christianity has been weaponized especially um in like two-party systems like in the u.s where you have the conservatives or who are supposed to be the christians and whatever and the crap that they have perpetuated jesus save us because that's all whole mess and so um it's definitely a reality that we live within and it's a reality that we personally have to grapple with as to where have i allowed christianity to be weaponized against other groups of people um and to be used as oh because this is this whatever scripture taken out of context to legitimize dehumanizing somebody else when that was never the intent or the case or the desire of God's heart. And so I think it's just personally something that we have to grapple with individually. Like, where have we agreed with those things? Where have we made agreements with those things? Where have we lived out those things consciously or unconsciously? Right. Because I mean, it can be based on what you grew up in. Cause for example, my dad's a preacher. My dad's a pastor. And so there are certain things that I learned from my dad and from my church and from my family that I might have to examine and be like, okay, does this line up with the word of God? Does this line up with Jesus? The Jesus who is just and the Jesus who loved us so much that he sacrificed everything. You know, like there is, you you have to grapple with it and you have to grapple with it personally. And then whenever you see it, I think finding ways to confront it and not in like a, I mean, obviously sometimes it will have to be in a very like clashing kind of way. But I think we also, it's, and this is a tricky part to talk about. And Maybe Joelle, you can chime in here because I, I think about like how I would confront my own church leaders about things like this. And I'm just like, there's this thing in the church about like, respect and honor to your leaders? And I mean, the Lord instructs us to do that as well. Like in the Bible, it says, honor your leaders because they are in charge of watching over your souls. And so how do you honor your leaders while confronting them about something that you think is not right and not okay? And uh, that's a tricky question, but I think the question has to be asked. Um, I And I don't have the answer because I mean, I feel like, I need to confront some leaders in terms of other things, even outside of social justice that I don't know how to confront them about. So that's a tricky question, but I think um, the question has to be asked and grappled with.
0: So go off the back of what you were saying. I think, yes, it's really important to A, just just talk about it. And B, like really re- realize realize what has actually been going on and not sleep under the rug, because I think, what's happened is a lot in a lot of churches, I can speak from my own experience only, but it is very bureaucratic, especially, you know, since we live within the system of capitalism, you know. Um, (laughs) So it's important to, yeah, I don't know how, I don't know how I would confront any such leaders in my church. I I get chills thinking about it, but- Probably write an anonymous letter. (laughs) it's like anonymous feedback right <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time it's like although obviously leadership is really really important it's like you know if i waited for leaders to do things i think we would be waiting literally forever so that's why it's important to have these interpersonal conversations one to one um it may be with the leaders um for them to actually you know talk think about it uh internally before taking action and implementing changes um, and I think what you mentioned really interesting, which is really interesting, is how actually, I mean, I grew up in an ethnic church, um, not sure about you, right? And it's really interesting about like, how did we actually become Christians, right? How did our, how did the people that went before us become Christians? Like, it's kind of like, it's that this weird intersection because we've, Yes, we've got faith, but at the same time it's kind of warped faith with our like, actually our intersectionality of our race as well. Right? Which is really interesting. I dunno, and it goes into the whole question of like mission and mm-hmm. missions and
1: like like <laughs> that kind of white savior crap that people carry on missions a lot. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I, I mean, I'm Jamaican and we're majority black here, even though we do have a lot of other ethnicities here in the country. Um, so it's, it's diff, it's going to be different than in other areas like the UK or even the US or Canada or even Australia. Cause we don't have, it's not like we have majority Caucasians here, but if you think about how we received Christianity. I am assuming that it was some white missionary who came down and was like, y'all need to be Christianized <laughs> kind of situation, you know? Christianized. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> I I'm assuming too that, I mean, it came, it came with colonialism, right? Because the colonists came, they set up the plantations, they wanted to have life, they wanted to do life here. I mean, they had to in so many cases, had to. (laughs) Um, And so they probably set up churches and then there were churches for the colonizers and then there were churches for the slaves. And so that kind of got passed down. And then even like, for example, I'm assuming how my church got established, my church kind of... um, denomination for want of a better word got established in my country is some white missionary again with that same kind of mentality of civilize the people, bring Jesus and erase their culture entirely because they are wrong and Jesus is the only, like that's
0: not (laughs) that's
1: not Christianity that's not Christianity at
0: all No, yeah, and it kind of goes back to the idea of, you know, Christianity has been uber whitewashed and for some reason Jesus has become this white man with like blue eyes and I'm like who who, and this this long wavy hair and I'm like have you
1: been to Israel do you know what those people look like (laughs) because it's not that
0: oh I know and I think it goes on nicely too I guess a following topic is like how do how have churches responded to the last two months past few months with the revival of like Black Lives Matter. You know, how have you seen churches respond? How should the church respond in terms of social advocacy? Because we know in a lot of places, a lot of instances, they have really fallen short because we are human. And it's the same with a lot of organizations that I've seen do a lot of like performative activism, right? Um, what's been your experience and what do you think about it?
1: I mean, I've seen a lot of people start the conversation, but... I haven't seen... No, this is all with the caveat of, like, I initially was consuming a lot. I have not been in the last few weeks. So I am speaking from a large degree of ignorance here. But what I have not seen is the conversation continue publicly. And it's always this tricky thing, because especially, like, mega churches, they have a... They have to... It, I don't think... It's a tricky thing to navigate. It's really tricky, because when it's a big church like that, and you have a social media platform, you have to recognize that it's not just your church family. Who's going through this. Like the world is watching you. There are people who tune into your services every Sunday who feel invested in your church as a church, as their church. And they probably Mm -hmm. give online and like maybe, maybe they've joined like a virtual small group as a part Mm -hmm. of your church. And so like, carrying on the conversation in a public way i think is something that i have not seen continued and now it feels like the conversation has overstayed its welcome you know like why are we still talking about this shouldn't we be done talking about this by now and i'm just like uh we didn't even scratch the surface you know what we did we like plucked up a li- like we broke the blade of grass on the surface in half we didn't even pluck the thing out at the root like We didn't even, we did no digging, we did nothing. (laughs) And you know, maybe I shouldn't, it's always this thing with me of like, I recognize that historically power has not been given by the oppressor because, oh, it's the moral and right thing to do, it has been taken. And at the same time in the church, I wrestle with like recognizing that, leadership is hard and it's not easy to come out and be like, okay, we need to have this conversation when we know we're going to make everybody uncomfortable. And also at the same time, but y'all should be having these conversations and it doesn't matter how hard it is. Like we can do all things through Christ. This is in Philippians 413. Like, what are you doing? (laughs) And so I, I, I wrestle with that tension of like, being very confrontational and also being like trying to be respectful and honoring when it comes to like what the church is doing and the church's response, because I know that it takes a lot to come out and have this conversation, but I'm also like, this thing is damn overdue. Like we are way overdue this ish. And I have not seen us continuing the conversation in a real way. Like, in a way where we train our congregation members on, like, anti-racism. <laughs> like, can that be a thing, please? No, it's, I, I haven't heard of it, you know? And maybe you guys who are watching and listening have heard of it, and if you have, please shout out your people, please shout out your church or whoever you've seen doing this, because we want to know the people that are doing this, too. But um, I haven't seen that. Like, let's train our leadership on anti-racism. Let's train our leadership on white supremacy and oppression. Let's train our leadership on just something as simple as the, base, the basic difference between prejudice and racism. Because there is a difference. <laughs> you know? Um, so I, I haven't seen the conversation publicly continued in an active way that I would like. Um, that I would like. Which, maybe that statement in and of itself is problematic, but hey... <laughs> Um but yeah, I think I think the biggest thing that a church could do right now is have the conversation publicly, continue to have the conversation publicly and be like, okay, this is what we're doing, this is what we're talking about with our leadership, and let the world into that transformation that's happening within the church. Um, but if I guess if that transformation isn't happening, there's nothing to let people into. So I don't know.
0: I, I think I was telling you, Chelsea, actually when we were having our call that um the church that i've been attending on online it was really funny the well not funny ironic i suppose the the sunday after the death of george floyd suddenly like 80 percent of their worship team or the service team became um you know people of color and i was like huh? have, have i been missing something Yeah, I mean, it is our duty. Like, that is what Jesus did.
1: If you look at, like, half the people that Jesus was healing, like, they were the poor, the marginalized, the oppressed, the lepers, the people who were ostracized from the normal community, the people who were not the standard of righteousness. Those were the people who Jesus was reaching out to, right? And so, I mean, like, it is our job. It is who we are. It is in our DNA to do this. And um, or at least it was like, when did we miss that? You know, And, and how do we I think the question before us now is how do we get back to it in a real concrete way? Because I think it's really easy to preach it from a pulpit and it's much harder to live it as a church community. It's much harder to be like, okay. I have my small group within my church or I'm on the praise team and I'm going to ask the praise team leader if we can go do some outreach next week in, in our community. And like, I don't know, host like a, a little gap now granted COVID. So please like don't necessarily do what I'm suggesting. <laughs> this is a bad idea for COVID times, but like, if there was no pandemic, how about we go on the street corner and just do a worship session and carry some acoustic guitars and some like handheld drums and worship like that's not a crime. And and it it it's like that kind of going outside of the four walls of the church and having the real conversations with the real people who are like, yo, y'all have perpetuated this for years and you don't want to talk about it. Like, that is our job now. Our job right now is the reconciliation. Like, we have been given the ministry of reconciliation, and it's not enough for us to not be, be like, comfortable within our four worlds. Jesus is coming back for a church that has one people to her. He's not coming back for a church who was lazy sitting in her four walls. The bride is not a lazy bride. Right, to to be like all Christian easy. Because Jesus sees the church as his bride, he's the bridegroom. So I'm saying the bride is not a lazy bride, okay? So or is not supposed to be.
0: You know, we don't know how to we don't know how to be friends with the world. We've kind of just sat back, we've become too comfortable somehow along the way, this whole Christianity thing has been watered down. It's like love your neighbour But I'm like what does love mean? Right. Um, love, you know, and everything like that. But what I find really, really, really interesting is how the church is really good with, you know, human trafficking or, uh, you know, water aid issues, stuff like that, uh, or, uh, you know, food banks and stuff like that. But racism is one that is like, eh, we don't talk about that. Right. Cause I feel like it's just so deep rooted, deeply rooted. Um, in the foundations of the church that it's really, really hard to A have this conversation with foundations of Christianity because no one knows how to do it.
1: hmm Yeah, and I think, you know, I think it it takes bravery. Like we gotta be brave and step up and be like, okay, our foundations, there was something wrong. And it's actually not even like the foundations foundation, because the foundation's foundation was Jesus. And so that part wasn't wrong. It's almost like the blocks, like Jesus dug the trenches of the house. If you think about how you build a house, like Jesus dug the trenches, dug the foundation, and then the disciples kind of put in like all the stones and the blocks and stuff. And then something happened in between (laughs) erecting like the walls and the roof (laughs) that like, mess something up. There's something in there that's not okay. And and we have to be brave and be like, okay, what's happening here? Where like what where have we agreed with these things that haven't been like our foundations or they mis- there's misalignment. Our foundations and our walls are not the same thing. And so we gotta we gotta do something about that. And I think you're right. It's almost like we will do the missions, and we will give the money to the people in Africa. Oh, my God. (laughs) That is so problematic. Anyways, we won't go into that right now. We will do all these things, but we will not have the race conversation. And we won't have it in a sustained public way that allows us to be open and be like, we are learning how to do this. We have done it wrong. We own our mistake, and we are learning how to clean up our mess. Like, I haven't seen anybody publicly do that. And maybe I'm wrong like I said, tell me if you see people doing this, tell me if you see churches doing this, but I haven't. And it's <laughs> it, I guess somebody it's probably going to be a situation where somebody's going to have to be brave and do it first and then hopefully over decades it becomes a normalized thing, you know, s- such that we don't have to um like How do I say this? We don't have to make such a concerted effort to have the conversation anymore because it's a normalized part of culture. But who's going to be brave and step up?
0: I think it's also because the church is too much embedded in the culture of the world. That's it. And the church, well, religions in general are instrumental to socializing people, socializing people into society. And that's where I guess we've tried to just slot people into this system that is just totally against all the foundations of our values, of our faith, right? Um, But uh, yeah, there was a question that I got and it was how can churches be more applicable in the world today in their teaching, especially when it comes to social justice? Not even teachings, just, you know, action. Just action, you know? (laughs) Um, I mean, personally, I would love
1: to, I I guess this is a refrain throughout this conversation, but personally, I would love to see more conversation. Like, I would love to see a church bring in like, one of the local chapters of the Black Lives Matter movement, like, one of their leaders, and have that conversation. Like, open, honest conversation. And if they're feeling brave, they can live stream it so the rest of us can watch (laughs) and can learn too, you know? Like, I would even like I would love to see a church bring in the leader of one of the local LGBTQ like nonprofit organizations and or even one of like like a local planned parenthood chapter like all of these things that we are so against <laughs> or or backing off of or not wanting to have the conversation about um like we got to have the, like, that is how we be friends of the world and introduce them to Jesus is how, like, we got to talk to people. Communication is the start of a relationship. But if you're trying to like show the love of Christ, (laughs) what are you going to do? Like not say anything at all? (laughs) And then like what, hide yourself away from everybody? It doesn't work like that. You know, the church is in the world. We are in the world. Jesus put us in the world. Not just like out here like, hey, nobody can touch us. No, we are in it. And I think too, to your point about how the church has played such a huge role and religions in general, in terms of socializing people to the normal constructs of society. Like we have done that so well that when or people or anyone steps out of those normal constructs, it's almost like the church is no longer has any say over them or, like, has any influence. The church is no longer applicable. We also, too, um, again, to your point about that socialization thing, I think we have to really examine how we are socializing people and the cultural agreements that we have made because even... (laughs) And Joel and I always laugh about this because, like, capitalism is such a thing, and it has shaped the way that we teach people about work. It has shaped the way that we teach people about success in the church. Capitalism in the church has shaped the way we deal with money. Has shaped the way we talk about offerings and tithes. Like, we gotta look at this ish, man. We have to look at these things, and we have to get really honest and really brave enough to admit where what we have said and taught and agreed with has not lined up with the word of God.
0: What you said about, you know, actually whenever we step outside the confines of what is, you know, constructed as normal or accepted, even, you know, within the church, I I say even, but it's not really a surprise to me, really, Um, right? And I think that's why... I personally feel like my work isn't within the church. I feel like my ministry isn't within the church just because just, it just won't be accepted. End of. And I honestly think that my work will be much more powerful outside of the church because how are you supposed to reach people if you stay within a bubble, right? It just doesn't work. Which is where I feel like a lot of people within the church or the church itself or churches have, I suppose, um, I don't want to say gone wrong, but at the same time, maybe that's just it, you know, like, where have we veered off the path that is actually, you know, this is kind of what we just have to do. This is what we're called to do to go out. He said, you know, what, what's the Great Commission? Like, go out and go into all the worlds." Right. Um, I really should know that verse anyway. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I wanted to say in response to um, your comment about maybe that's why you feel like your work will be more impactful outside of the church. Um, I get that. I totally get that. And oftentimes I wrestle with that too because I'm just like, I want, I, I know I need the community that the church provides. I know I need um, a space where I can be led and ministered to and corrected. And I can also correct and lead and influence. Like that kind of iron sharpens iron, like community that we have in the church. We need that. And also, when, when those people just don't want to, like, be sharpened in that way, how, what do you do and where do you go, you know? Um, and I think probably enough of us in the church have to get to that point for there to be a tipping point, probably. Because I don't think it's necessarily going to come from leadership, per se, because leadership is very steeped in tradition and tradition has everything to do with power and not losing power (laughs) and so um it's very easy for leaders to not buck the the status quo it's very easy for them to just keep doing what they've been doing you know um not that it's right not that that justifies them but it's just easy for us who are not in those positions like Hopefully, I think it's just going to have to probably be enough of us saying like, hey, this is not OK. This is not OK. This is not OK. And maybe even stepping outside of the church like you're talking about, Joelle, and doing something else to make an impact um, that we are led by the Lord to do for, I'm, I'm guessing, enough of us to do that for the church leaders to be like, uh, maybe there's something here that we need to address and talk about <laughs> because all of our members are saying this. And we are supposed to be their leaders and their shepherds. So maybe we have missed something, you know, um, maybe it has to be that way. I don't know, but just a thought.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it definitely has to be. I mean, at the end of the day, it comes down to us as individuals, whoever the individuals are to have those conversations and to examine our own subconscious biases, um, and desanitize
1: what we believe in yeah and it's not like we can show up at like in jesus's face at the end of the day and be all like oh my church didn't talk about this so um it's not my fault like he's not gonna accept that (laughs) that's not gonna fly with him and trust me i will not allow myself to end up in a situation where jesus is going to look at me and be like nabu over there with like all the other people going like, no, I have like, listen, this life is too hard for me to not get into heaven. I am getting into heaven. (laughs) I am doing everything I can. And so I think that involves me like not waiting on my church and doing what I know he's called me to do, you know, exactly. Like wrestling with these things with him too, because sometimes I'm just like, Jesus, you saw that this was what it was going to be. And you still went ahead and let it be this way. Like, what were you thinking? (laughs) Help me understand. You know, like wrestling with him, wrestling with ourselves, and then having that conversation with people. Like, it is an individual responsibility. Because at the end of the day, Jesus is not going to be like, oh, it's okay, your church didn't do it. So it's fine. No, that's not going to be his response. Mm. Yeah,
0: and it's like, you know, I think individually, people have just gotten too complacent and You know, as individuals, we are part of the system. We are part of these organisations, companies, churches, whatever. You know, this conversation is everywhere. Needs to be everywhere. Um, And so it is our individual responsibility. So if you're listening to this, hearing this, seeing this, go do some research, go educate yourself. I feel like people jump from like awareness to action way too quickly i'm like you haven't even thought about what where you sit, like sin to this like what you anyway um but uh round off like what are some encouragements that you've held on to in this kind of journey of knowing how to reconcile your faith with you know advocacy um
1: encouragement is that jesus is patient <laughs> Jesus is really, really patient with us. And there is a lot of grace. Like his grace actually never runs out. And his patience is with us for a lifetime. His mercy is new every morning. Like those things give me encouragement because I'm like, okay, yesterday was a mess, (laughs) but there's new new mercies today. (laughs) You know, there's more grace today and there will be more grace tomorrow. And even if I get it wrong today or if I don't do something that I know he's called me to do today, um, he is patient and he's coming back and sitting here and going, all right, Chelsea, are we ready today? Are we going to do it today? Yeah, we're going to do it. And then if I say no, he's like, okay, tomorrow. (laughs) Like he's really, really patient. And I, that gives me so much hope. Um, And, it gives me something to hold on to because I can get really despairing and depressed over every, uh, over the state of it. Like over the past eight weeks, I think I've been in depression. I'm only just now coming out of like a really messy emotional time. And so, um, I like just those three things, his patience, his grace, and the fact that he gives new mercy every morning is like, and that's not just for me. That's, that's for the church leaders who are not having the conversation. Right. That's for the idiot presidents who are insisting on, on carrying on the oppression, like, and that's not to erase the wrongs that they do or the things that are not justice, but it is to say, there is another chance. There is another opportunity. And the fact that there is another chance and another opportunity means that things can look different and things can Mm -hmm. change. And it might take time, Listen, it might take generations. It probably will. Um, Unless Jesus decides to come back in the next generation, which I'm just like, yes, Lord, take us home. I'm done. (laughs) I am very much ready. (laughs) So if that's what he wants to do, yes. But if that's not what he wants to do, you know, like I think the grace of time and the grace of more opportunities is cause for hope. And also like the fact that we're even having this conversation right now, you know, that's, that's hopeful. Cause I mean, years ago, nobody was probably having this conversation, you know, or if there were, it was like in secret corners. Now we're doing this live on Instagram in front of everybody and anybody can rewatch it and it's gonna be, you know, like spread. So um, yeah, those are, those are some hopeful things.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree with in terms of that despair thing. I think before I realised actually we all have our own like roles in this and yes it's a big problem a very deep-rooted one but we can start chipping away at that and digging away that like a little bit at a time right and it's really dangerous just generally in terms of any sort of issue to despair because once you get into that um hole it's I feel like it kind of feeds into that cycle of oppression because We aren't doing anything to alleviate it, you know? We were
1: talking about this um, a week or so ago and I was like, I think the fight that we have as Christians is an internal one to like hold on to our hope and to cling to the truth of Jesus and the hope that the Holy Spirit gives us that we are growing, we are learning and we are doing better. And he is working in us even when we can't see it. Because that's also, P.S., that is also the massive grace of the Lord. That even when we cannot see it, I promise you, he is working. And so we can look out on the world and see the mess and be like, yo, Jesus take me out. I'm done. Like, this is not, this is not where I want to live. This is not where I want to spend my life. That's literally where I was this past few weeks. I was like, Jesus, I am done. And if it was not for you, honestly, I would kill myself because I don't want to be here. This is not okay. (laughs) Um, And I'm joking about it, but it was really serious, you know? Um, But I think the good thing is that even though I was in that place, the truth is that he is working he is working in the world he is and he has promised to complete his work and he is so faithful every single promise he makes he fulfills on those promises so if he's promised that he's gonna perfect us he's gonna perfect us if he's promised that he's gonna grow us into maturity he is growing us up like he is working and so i think that that internal fight is Keeping our eyes on that truth that he's doing something, he's working. I can hope because his blood has covered all of this anyway. So, and I feel like I'm starting to preach now, which was not my intention, but I'm done. <laughs> it, it
0: just reminded me of that song, you know, Waymaker. And it was like, Yes, uh, that, eh? yes, yes, yes. We love that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I love that. Anyway. Where can people find you? Where can people find you and your work?
1: Uh, Well, I'm here on Instagram and Facebook at The Launch Copy Coach. Um, So if you guys want to reach out to me, talk more about this stuff, you can do so. I am hosting weekly conversations around business and launching an online business in terms of how we unlearn some of the racist things that we have made agreements with, how we unlearn some of the capitalist crap that we made agreements with, how we unlearn some of the white supremacist crap, all that, that whole bag of ish. We're trying to unlearn what's in the bag. So um, I have weekly conversations on how we can do that. They're called The Circles. If you want to get in on those, um, you can DM me on Instagram or on Facebook. And uh, yeah, that's where y'all can find me. Oh, and I also have a podcast. I said, oh, <laughs> I'm like, oh, my podcast I forgot it here's why I forgot it y'all because the last two to three months have been a mess and I actually have not produced a podcast episode in about four to six weeks so that's it is what it is I'm not apologizing for it because I really like I if I came on and said anything it would be like honestly F the world I'm done y'all suck bye <laughs> that would be the podcast episode and I can't do, like that's not okay <laughs> so if you are interested in business and launching and pro like online programs, feel free to listen to my podcast. It's called Launching and Learning with Chelsea Wallace on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. Um new episodes coming soon, hopefully. <laughs> so that's another place that you can find me.
0: Great. I will link all of that in the show notes when this comes out as a podcast. Um and To end, I have a special question for you. Um, Like I'd like to ask everyone and it is basically, what does it mean to you to embrace yourself fully?
1: Being honest with where I'm at. Being completely honest with where I'm at because um, sometimes we don't like to be honest with ourselves, especially as Christians, because we think that we're supposed to be good and we're supposed to have everything together and we're supposed to believe and we're supposed to, have hope and faith and do all these amazing things. But if you don't, like, you can, you're going to walk around pretending. You're going to be a hypocrite. You know what Jesus called hypocrites? Whitewashed graves. Like, he calls you, like, a whitewashed grave. And that's not a—I don't want to be, like, a whitewashed storehouse for dead things. Like, that's not okay. Like, made to look pretty on the outside, but inside I'm dying um so to fully embrace myself for me means being completely honest with wherever i'm at if i'm like jesus i'm done jesus i'm out or jesus i love you jesus today is amazing thank you like the full gamut of those experiences of my humanity um embracing all of that and acknowledging it and standing in yeah this is where i'm at right now that's huge for me
0: yeah that's so good um, I love that being honest with yourself that's that's just it anyway thank you so much for coming on to the podcast and yeah thank you for sharing your wisdom and yeah thank you to everyone who has come as well uh, appreciate you very much that's it for today's let's talk episode if you enjoyed it don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform share this episode on social media and leave a review so that others can benefit from it too and until the next episode Cheers to your endless confidence, Joelle.